oh my gosh, I'm very excited and thrilled to have a legend in comedy, period. I'm not even going to say Canada. I'm not gonna, I'm just going to say a legend in comedy, period. Mr. Kenny Robinson, who has been so gracious with his time to be here with me today. And um, I just want to talk to you just about life, really, and just everything that's been going on this year and just what your perspective has been, because I'm sure you're going to have a very interesting perspective from the Black Lives Matter movement and racism in comedy as well, because uh, that's been a thing. Um, actually, I want to start with that right away, because... Uh, There's so much to talk about, so you figure out where you want to start, yeah. and you figure out where you want to stop. Okay, well, first of all, thank and I'll you. I'll just, just run it the Let me just time. say, the first, the, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and uh, just, how are you doing? How is your health? How is your mental? How is your family? How is everything there? Panda. Everything is better than I deserve. Uh, you know, my children, uh, they, they look a little long in the face and sad in the eye, Um you know, they, they were going to university and college and working, and now that's all been put on hold. Right. Um, so they're, uh, you know, they still plan on uh, continuing with their education, but uh, even stuff like education, you know, we are, are they going to go back to Humber? Are they going to go back to UT? Is it all going to be online? Right. Uh, will they ever have to, uh, will they ever sit in a classroom again? Uh, these things are all uncertain. What about comedy know? clubs? What What do you see happening with that? Like in terms of because you, you've seen um, Dave Chappelle's been doing a show out in Ohio, and I'm only thinking about it because I spoke to Scythe yesterday. And before but he's got a farm, he's got a big thank you. He's got a farm that he can have everybody come out and be right. at a distance or right. be in their cars or or do whatever he wants. So he's fortunate that way. Right, and that's the thing with a comedy club, especially with it being indoors. I don't even I don't think it'd be allowed right now. We're still in phase 2 as opposed to moving into the phase 3 thing where more things were going to open up like gyms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um but for now we're still in this phase 2, so there's obviously not going to be any comedy clubs open, but what are you just doing in terms of trying to plan for when we finally do move into a, an opportunity for you to start working the way you're used to working? Even though it's going to be different than what pre-COVID, everything's pre-COVID, post-COVID now, but it, things will obviously be different. But what is your strategy in terms of how you're going to try to get back to some sort of normalcy? Well, I've been I've been writing, and um, all I know is when I come back, I want to come back hitting. Right. You know, I want to come back pulling those shots, and um, you know. But I mean, I mean, think about it. okay, like. Um, a comedy venue you sell with maybe 300 people. Okay. Okay. So if now they're only going to allow you to have, say, a quarter of that or half of it at max, 150 people, that takes away um, so much. Like, you know, like for the Nubian shows, right. there'll be no more radio advertising. Well, now that G went under, there'd be a hard place to advertise anyway. Okay. But Hold if, on. This, was, this is news to me. I did not know that G went under. They uh, they're up for sale. They uh, they uh, they they bankrupt. They're broke. Uh, they're, uh, I can't say I'm surprised, uh, but um, still. Well, sad. it's tough for black radio because you have to have corporate dollars in order to survive. You can only have so many right. uh, uh, prom- uh, pr- promoters advertising their shows. You can only have so many faith healers. You can only have so many right. church holy water ads. You gotta have Coca Cola. You gotta have Molson. You gotta have the automobile companies. Right. Tell you us, gotta Bell, have that Rogers, ad. all of them, yeah. You got, yeah. I mean, well, look at all the Rogers TV channels. I mean, you know, Rogers sells advertising. Right, exactly, yeah. Okay, well, this is news to me. It's unfortunate. Okay, G987, sorry to hear that. Um, hopefully it'll stay at least in 
black slash urban station. And I actually there's no money in being a black urban station. You got a crossover and uh, a conglomerate now, like BET and even black owned. Right, right, yeah. That's so right. you know, so um, you know, Viacom, they're probably gonna... Viacom owns uh, BET, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, you need a Viacom or a course or something just, you know, they'll buy the the station just to have that spot on the on the channel on the dial. Right. And if they need be next thing G uh G98 could be country and Ukrainian music. Most likely, probably, probably. You know? That's unfortunate. Even but... they go under after a while. You know, radio is a very tough game. Yeah, and then people's tastes change and as they change, obviously, different genres of music become more or less popular, and that kind of sways mm-hmm. how. And that's like it, I was the morning man on Flow with Mark and Jim for the first three years it was on the air. Right, right, yeah. From 2001, 2003. And uh, uh, Denim Jolly, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a successful Rest man. Yeah. Rest in peace, Denim. But, yeah. but every. Uh, did Denim pass? I'm pretty sure he. Oh, oh maybe I'm I thinking thought... of Fitzroy Gordon. Maybe I'm mixing him up with Fitzroy yes, Gordon. Yes, Gordon oh, sorry. passed. Cause sorry, Mr. I... Jolly. Sorry, yes. <laughs> Mr. Johnson. Don't try to bury me, goddammit. Yeah, it was uh, Fitzroy six, Gordon that passed away. So rest yeah, in peace, I saw because I, I was just out in Scarborough near six uh, months ago when they uh, named the street after Denim. Okay, there you go. And, uh, so sorry. Denim, <laughs> Mr. J- I hope Mr. Jolly don't listen to you. He'll yeah, say don't what? Li- don't yeah, don't <laughs> listen know? to my podcast, please don't. Yeah, but um, that's crazy. Uh, you know, so he was always fighting to, you know, to pay them bills and what have you. Yeah. It's, it's a tough half. And then, you know, then he sold it. I, you know, I think Bell or somebody else bought into it or whatever. I think so. And then it, a private company had it for a bit. And then I think Chum took it or vice versa. I couldn't keep track anymore because I think it switched hands yeah. at least three times Yeah. Um, over the course of the years. But anyways, let's talk a bit about you and about comedy and about racism in comedy. Because mm-hmm. this is something that um, I like to listen to uh, Mark Maron's podcast a lot. Uh, okay. What the fuck? And because of that, I've kind of gotten at least a better insight into the world of comedy because he speaks to a lot of comedians. So, you know, even when you just said recently that you were writing, um, me speaking to Cypher Sounds yesterday, who's also into comedy or is a comedian, I should say, point blank. Um, I asked him, you have all this downtime now with the pandemic. You must be writing like crazy. And he's like, I c- he can't write like crazy because he needs to write a bit and then test it to see if it works before he wants to expand on it and evolve it. So how are you doing your process without being able the to... Ideas, I drop the ideas on Facebook. Oh. There's, you know, there's a period of time when, uh, I guess when uh, during the, the uh, after the uprising in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Uprising. Uprising, I like um, it. <laughs> you know, after the uprising in Minneapolis, I was on it. Bang, bang, bang. Because uh, I'm an old man now. I'm 63, I think. And uh, when I was 10 years old, when I was 10 years old, I lived in Chicago when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And I saw I lived through the National Guard driving through Chicago in their Jeeps with fixed bayonets. Really? Well, you know, can you go a, um, a little bit about that a little further? Because that's fascinating to me now that um, you that's history. Yeah, yeah you witnessed I this. Like I only read about I, this stuff, but you 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 saw you witnessed. Yeah, I, saw, I watched the town burn. And before that, they burned the, the, the long, hot summer, 65, 66, when they, they burnt down Detroit, when they were having riots in Chicago in 65, 66. The black businesses had signs in the window saying, Soul Brother, which, in other words, is saying, don't burn me. Right. So, and the similar thing is uh, during the riots here, you had all these stores on Blur Street going BLM, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and I'm going, ain't a black person working there. In other words, please don't burn down my shit. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah. So, yeah. 
So that's, you know, so that's what the whole thing was. But I mean, uh, when Mayor Daley, the first Mayor Daley, he was the mayor of Chicago that ruled with an iron fist. And uh, he gave the Chicago police orders during the MLK riots, shoot to kill arsonists and shoot to main looters. Was that the loot so, when the looting starts, when the looting starts, the shooting starts? Was that the same? No, I think okay. that was someone. That was someone else. Okay. Same sentiment, obviously, yeah. is what you're referring to now. We're seeing it playing out now today with Donald Trump in Portland, at least. And he's planning like he's got well, these... Portland. I don't understand what the hell's going on. It's down insane. In but the por- the thing is that he's planning on doing what he's doing in Portland now in other cities also. Well, the... they're talking about Chicago and they're talking about doing it in Phoenix. This is this thing that pisses me off with these right wing, uh, right extreme losers where they don't really actually care about the issues. They're ready to debate you but the first thing that comes out of their effing mouth every fucking time actually i don't know why i'm censoring myself is uh chicago they want to use chicago as the example of why black lives don't matter but chicago's got so many reasons for it though it isn't just one you think these people are trying to look into the depth of the problems more so than they're just using it as a as a crutch just to dismiss the black lives matter move that every single time they're well they're two different things the same all lives matter people they do that same shit they'll say well look at chicago you guys want to talk about you guys don't care about crime but look at chicago they always want to bring up chicago and it fucking drives me up the wall Okay, several things about Chicago. First of all, Chicago is like a no-gun zone, but the problem is they're surrounded by three states where they have very, very soft, uh, practically non-gun uh, no, uh, 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 laws existence. Okay, so like in Indiana, you can bring a trunk full of guns, drive 25 minutes, like going from Scarborough to downtown Toronto, mm. and open up your trunk in a bad neighborhood and have every gun sold within 15 minutes. Right. And then drive back and never stop. Like, there's nobody stopping you from going to Scarborough. There's nobody stopping you from Gary, Indiana, to Chicago. And in Indiana, you can buy the weapons. Mm. Same thing if you go, um, you know, if, if you go to Missouri, they're more easy into the south of Illinois. But Indiana's the quickest, easiest, fastest one. Okay. Um, so there's that problem. Um, 10, 15 years ago, they started the regentrification of Chicago when they tore down um, all the housing projects, which is another abortion in itself. Mm-hmm. But they tore down all the housing projects, which is interesting because when they originally were built, it was like they were going to give poor people a great place to live. But all that really did was they, they warehoused poor people. And when you warehouse poor people, you warehouse their grief and their frustration and their anger and their and their problems. And their lack but of opportunity. Mayor, that, and then Mayor Daley, he, the, he stopped them from building more uh, government housing because uh, there's a highway that separates the black part of, uh, uh, of the south side uh, from the white side. The white side was called back of the yards. It was back of the stockyards where everybody worked uh, slaughtering meat, you know, when the, right. uh, the, the poet, uh, 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 hog butchers to the world. So there is that side, which is White Sox Park and all that other stuff. That was on one side of the, of the highway. And Mayor Daly made sure it was like eight or ten lane highway. So you really had to be fast to get on the other side. And then uh, the go- federal government said, well, unless you start building some uh, housing projects on your side of the highway, we're not giving any more money. No more funding. And then Mayor Daly said, okay, no more housing. So, <laughs> right? So it just stayed on the, on, you know, so it just stayed basically on to the east right. of, the, of, of the Dan Ryan. And if you got caught on the other side at night and you were black, 
you could be beaten to death, shot, murdered, stabbed, beaten, and the cops took the other way. Or sometimes it was the cops that did it. Right. Are you talking you about know? 2020 or, 20, or 1960? No. Which were because it's this, 1960, 1970, point, my, my point is that it's still happening even. to today. That's my point being that the same shit <clears> that you're talking me, yeah. about literally 40, 50 years ago is still happening but to it, this it day. But it started yeah. then. Yeah, right. Okay. So what happened, though, when they, when they tore down all the, all the housing projects? They had to put the people that lived there somewhere. Right. And what did they do? They moved them to other predominantly black neighborhoods. But what was their, what was many of the kids uh, or, or the people's profession or, or uh, main source of income? Drug dealing. Right. And they moved them to an area where, guess what? Already had drug dealers. Right. So what's going to happen? Ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-boom, boom, boom. All this shit that goes down is you shot my cousin two months ago. Yeah, and you shot my sister last night. Well, I'm shooting at you, but if I get your baby, tough shit. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, there, so there's so many different re- – and then uh, with uh, – with all the, the you said, I remember back in the day when when people on the south side of Chicago would drive to the, work the steel mills in Indiana. Okay, you know, uh, you could work the slaughter yards. There was so much uh, 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 blue collar jobs, and they're all gone. Right, right. They're How can people have hope? Gone. How can people have hope if you can't even get yourself just a decent job to pay your bills and put a roof over your head, and then they want to go around and judge you because you have to resort to other means just to provide for your well, family. Not everybody goes and provides for their family by illegal means. Right. You know, that's like trying to say, well, because we're black, we have to be allowed to be criminals. Well, no. No. You know, there's, there's, there's getting out of it. But, you know, but, but being honest, though, if opportunity does not exist. You got to create your opportunities. And, and sometimes it's already created for you. And so many of these youth, they already believe that they're born dead. They're, they're lucky. They believe they're lucky to see 16. Right, right. Because right. they know so many people that didn't. Right, right. It really is an so, accomplishment, literally, to make it to your twentieth birthday in some of these neighborhoods, right? That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's so, so sad. To hey, hear. some of our neighborhoods in this city. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's bad too that we always want to focus so much on the negative side south, and we want to stand on a pedestal in Canada, looking our nose down our noses at them because... Oh, we, we're shooting here. Yeah, we're shooting here, we're too. We're shooting each other here. But ever since this whole Black Lives Matter movement really kicked off, uh, whatever, late March, um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, at least we're not the states, or, you know, Canada's not as bad we as... We say that all the time. Yeah, we I'm, say that. I've been hearing it more frequently race. recently now, yeah. Well, we say it about everything. We say it about race, we say it about police brutality, we say it about drug abuse, you know, we, we have that... that attitude that we're superior yes um that we're better than them in some way yeah and yet um we could go well hey we're not kingston jamaica (laughs) and you know uh, (laughs) you know pick up the newspaper and read about what's going on there at least we're not syria (laughs) hey we ain't you know but then trump says chicago's worse than afghanistan right right yeah But, but again you shouldn't hold any credence with whatever comes out of mouth hot mouth breather whatever he's but who knows maybe bringing in dea and and, and all these different uh government uh, police organizations if maybe they're going to start gra- grabbing these gangbangers i mean most of the shootings in chicago take place in two or three specific neighborhoods right okay okay um and it's usually people that have shot people before and they're out on bail okay okay 
you know, they, they've got a court system that releases you because they just can't keep all the shooters together. The police say they're frustrated as all hell. We have, they say we grab them and the courts release them as fast as we can pull them in. Right, right. Yeah, there's a whole, again, they're, they're talking about the whole entire system needing to be revamped tore down and rebuilt i don't know how long something like that would take for that to happen i don't take I would, forever i wouldn't be it, did, I'm not, I'm it wasn't built overnight so it wouldn't be torn down overnight exactly that's why i hate i hate liberals and and woke <laughs> people that say you have to uh examine uh the 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 root cause right. well they've never you know i hate anybody says that because they've never tried to pull up a tree stump right right oh very Roots deep yeah yeah thick and they run deep. Yes, yeah. So if you want to look at the root cause, you ain't got time with the ability to look because the roots are way down there. Right. So what do you? The th- roots are when we came over on slave ships. The roots are when we got sold. Yep. The roots were when we were told we weren't allowed to read or write. Yep. The roots were when we became integrated, didn't have our own businesses, and started getting hired by the by the Caucasian man. And each time the root gets wounded and wounded and wounded, and like going I, deeper and growing deeper and deeper as and time goes by. Roots. Yeah, absolutely, but. Here's the thing, though. I mean, I've said this before with people that I never it baffles me how people can't connect the dots from history to the present day. It, it, it truly baffles me that people will say, well, that was ancient history when they want to dismiss something like something as sure. simple as people being denied to read. You don't they don't appreciate the amount Capital of time offense. that you don't realize how much that can set back your progress as a people. But they weren't trying to have us progress as a people did because we were property, we were livestock, we were beasts of burden. I understand that. But the point being is that for us to overcome that to get to where we are today, that set us back on the race of progress in terms of they will look at us in terms of saying, like, look at white people. We do this. We do that. But you guys never had a period of about 50 to 100 years of not being allowed to read, not being allowed to own property, being redlined into certain places. Jim Crow laws. I can keep going on and on. You know what I'm saying? But the point being is that these people can never connect the dots in terms of why shit is what it is today because of a lot of shit that happened 100 years ago. Plus, in North America, they've always had um, last one uh, last one off the boat gets their ass whipped the most. Unless they were black people off the boat. You know, like they talk about how the Irish came here and they were indentured servants. They like to call them slaves. But I say, no, you need what? to look. You, Who well, says yeah, that? Irish Who says that? Who says the that? Irish always because they were indentured servants. If you owed money back in the old country, you had to come here and work for some wealthy Englishmen or Irishmen that had jobs here until your debt was paid off. Right. Yeah. And I think that you was were a... his, but your children weren't his. Right. See, different right. slavery. So they were indentured servants, can... and the Irish always want to say, "We don't cry about Irish lives mattering. We came here as slaves." Oh, well, they, no, you, you didn't. Need to, oh, bite my ass! And they had signs that say, uh, "No blacks, dogs, or Irish." So the Irish are not welcome. But you know what else happened with the Irish? The bad boys, they got to become police officers. And president. Well, one. Right, but that was... not him. Yeah, but, but, but the point you know, being is that I remember it being... Well, not remember, but again from reading, that how controversial it was. Because yeah. he was an Irish Catholic. And it was just like, oh, well, we can't have that for a president. Like, you see how stupid you guys are? And well, then, the Klan's also against Catholics, too. Well, right? but the point being is that that was once considered an other, which obviously isn't today or whatever. But it hasn't ever changed we for black people. We ain't had a people. Catholic president since. Oh, have we not? No. Oh, I've never realized that. Reagan was Irish, but I think he was... Uh, 
I don't think he was uh, shanty Irish. I think he was la- uh, lace cloth. See how I know all these racial slurs, shanty. <laughs> Why do you know all this stuff, Kenny? Cloth? Why do you know all this stuff? <laughs> because growing up in Chicago, right, you knew yeah. all, I, I learned all those racial slurs before I was eight. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. But so, somebody call you a nigger at school, so my yeah. father say, "What are they?" Yeah. And then I'd come back with, "Why you? You know." Right. And see, and, that's so and, bad for you to be a kid too and have to deal with that shit. It ages you. It ages you much. But you have to become you. You can't. You don't have the luxury of the childhood that other kids would have because. A, you got to protect yourself and just look out for people that might take advantage of you for any reason, simply because you're black. So, like, you're not really eight years old. You're probably, you might be eight in real life, but in, in experience years, you're probably 15 or 20 at that point. I wouldn't see that as a disadvantage, though. Because cause you're Cause just... Because you, you learn. And you, you, like, you look over there and you, you see them boys looking at you and you see them whispering each other. And, you know, you don't go, oh, do, 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 do. hi, fellas. You say, why are they looking at me and what they're whispering about? And right. you know, to either pick something up or to cop a heel and run. Right, right, right. So, so without we, that We get wiser faster. Streetwise, yeah, you have to. Right, right. Or, it's, but it's know, a forced education that shouldn't be necessary at well, all. Excuse so. me. Somebody's That's okay. Don't worry, you're a busy guy. I know oh. everybody wants to talk to you, Kenny. I get it. I get okay, it, Kenny. It's my daughter. I'll do have it. to call Go ahead. her back. She's, oh, coming. No, no, she's coming back from her doctor. So okay. after we do this, I'll call after her. After her doctor, you should answer it now. I can't discuss this. Okay. Guy. Oh, that's, this oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's true. But what again, happens? You have to have surgery. <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, but so. I, I would pause it. I could skip over it. I could edit it out. But, you know, family's family. Yeah, and all so that, I'll, but, I'll, yeah. Okay. All right. That's, what, so. that's cool. But um, let's talk a bit about racism in comedy then. Because like I was saying, I was talking or listening to a lot of Mark Maron's uh, podcast. And he's had a lot mm-hmm. of black comedians on. In particular, I remember him having Kevin Hart on the okay. show with him. So Kevin Hart was just talking about his come up. And all the things that he did gave me a whole new respect for him, just in terms of the work ethic that he has and how he used to drive from Philadelphia to Toronto to do the Nubian show, and I paid him 150 Canadian. And then when he found out you? the exchange on it, this is back <laughs> when it was like 30 cents and a dollar, he cried all the way back oh, to Philly. Oh, you broke Kevin Hart's heart. <laughs> no, Kevin Hart had more heart. Kevin says, "Was it pay? It was pay 150 Canadian? I'll do it." He came up twice, two or three times, and I put him on my TV show, After Hours. First time he ever did sketch comedy was on my show. Oh. Same thing with Leslie Jones. Oh, so, um, oh look at you yeah. helping people. But um, it's the thing, the conversation that stuck out in my mind with uh, Kevin and Mark Marin was this thing where you know what it's like for clubs. They were talking about how they have particular nights. They could have like an amateur night. Or first timers yeah. night. They got but, chocolate Sundays or Nubian night like there, we have here in Toronto. Exactly, for and this years. is where I'm going. But with the word that they were using for this particular sentiment was mm-hmm. urban, urban nights. So you know, Mark would say to him, nice, "What?" They would be like, "What?" Way than call, right. Calling it the end night, right? And then, which I originally wanted to call it, and then the other comics involved went, "We don't want to call it." Be, no, you didn't want to. You were you're joking right now, Kenny. No, I said, "Let's call the the night niggas take over," and they said, "No, no." God, Kenny, what's wrong with you? And then on the flyer... Are you going to put that on flyer, a flyer? Are you going to advertise that in the newspaper? Are you going to put that on a flyer? We advertise on the flyer, affirm, affirmative actions gone berserk. And uh, and then we started showtime, 8 p.m., 8.30, black people time. And then I had all kinds of ignorant shit on my first flyer. Yeah, sure, and, but I think they were dared right. someone to say something about it. And you, you just, you're a ship disturber. 
Well, we do start, all the other shows start at 8 because our crowd comes late and saving seats and everybody ain't here yet. We eventually, the show starts 8.30, quarter to 9. But all the other shows start at 8 o'clock. Right on and time? The, yes. And the door people, scared of the, of the 300 black people, well, I'm, I don't want this seat. I'm waiting for my cousin and his uncle to get it. And, and all the reasons where, we, you know, and the staff is scared to seat people on time and everything. Right. They still have a big lineup. Right. Outside, right. so you know, See, it was because Kevin Hart's strategy. He was saying at that time was he didn't want to just be a comedian that could hit on Urban Night, is the way he was putting it. Yeah. He wanted to be a comedian yeah. that could work with any crowd every night. Yeah, every night, which is obviously yeah. the right strategy, or at least it worked for him. Obviously, but the point being... I had the I had the benefit of working in the United States and Canada, okay. where I started out working only in the in the white in the white club, and it was and beneficial first... for your career, right? Well, it was my career. All right. Okay. You know, when I first started out in Chicago, there were three, there were four comics took me under their wing. Uh, who? One was Jim Fay, who was a house MC at uh, Zanies. He's one of the, he, uh, they started, uh, Second City started a second troupe uh, revolved around him and his Chicago comedy Rangers. Okay. So he was one of the first guys. Then he told me I should hang out with a comic named Doc. Uh, but Doc wasn't, there was a bad comic I hung out with, bad. Orlando Rays. He wore his hair like Barry White, and he smoked on stage, and he took me out to clubs where the show started at 3 in the morning. Ooh. And, you know, he was like a lime green suit wearing brother. What kind of you a know, comedy he, show starts at 3 in the morning? At the Stay Out All Night Long Disco. At the Stay Out? <laughs> in Chicago, where the liquor, where the bars can be open until 6 or 7. Who's there? So, so there were people there at 3 o'clock in the morning, and yes. you had a crowd to work with, and they were probably drunk as fuck by then already. Mafiosa uh, uh, soldiers, uh, uh, you know, uh, big time uh, dealers, uh, strippers that got off work, you know. And so, um, you know, I said to Orlando, I said to Orlando, I said, am I going to be safe there? He says, shit, man, you with me. I said, well, you got shot. That don't mean shit because he told me when he got shot in the jaw. And his wife packed her pistol in her purse when we went to the show. Okay. So you had every right to question your safety, I would say. No, because his wife had the gun. His wife. His wife had the gun. I knew it wasn't nobody. She wasn't gonna let anybody mess with me or her husband. I still don't think you're safe. <laughs> Safer than if she didn't have a gun. I guess. I guess the the all night disco. What? Stay out all night long disco. Would you try to do that today now in Toronto? Would you try to? Could you try? Oh, you to, couldn't do it in Toronto because everything closes no, at and, two. And there's no liquor license, anyways. That because that, that would right. be there would be no sense to do it without the alcohol being able to be served, you know, right? But anyway, there was Orlando, right? And like Orlando had like this cigarette lighter, uh, cigarette case, and like he took out the cigarette, smoke back in the day. You could smoke on stage, right? And uh, and he light up the cigarette, and everybody saw how the lighter was built into the cigarette case, and the audience go, ooh, and he go, thank you, white bitch came. To and you know that's just how Orlando was, right? So, so Jim Fay, who took me into his arms, said, "Well, maybe you shouldn't be with Orlando so much. Maybe you should hang out with Doc." But Doc didn't ever take me out to go hang up the stay out all night long disco. Where did he take Doc, you? Doc, he didn't take me nowhere. His name was Arsenio Hall. Oh. And he, oh. Okay. <laughs> and Arsenio wasn't taking nobody. He was taking your material, but he wasn't taking. He wasn't. He wasn't trying to mentor anybody. Really, he wasn't. He was so. He, he wasn't trying to help anybody at any. No, really. He was trying to help himself, and that's really? why he made it out more than some other Chicago comics. Well, that's not tell a you, good way to make it, though. I don't think. That I'll tell you the good. best Arsenio Hall story. Why so many Chicago comics won't even mention his name? Okay. Then the other two Chicago comics was a guy named Daryl Dan Bohannon, 
who is just a Cosby clone. Oh, okay. You know, and he, and he would get in my face and he'd say, the white man's going to like you because you're light-skinned. See, because you're light-skinned and you're educated and you got a, you, you got a good wardrobe. But but you can't go up there and if the white boy's getting thirty five dollars, you got to ask the white man how come you ain't getting thirty five. He ain't gonna just offer you thirty five dollars. So he's just totally biting his material, just the whole style, everything, the cadence, everything. Yeah, but the, he was beautiful. He'd walk on the stage at say uh, midnight, and then like the nine people in the audience, he'd come and say, "How in the fuck am I supposed to get discovered with nine motherfuckers in the audience?" Yes, <laughs> so that's how you and start. Then, uh, and then the fourth one, who was uh, influential, I mean, he hung out with uh, Daryl Dan Bohannon, mm-hmm. Jimmy Carwash Spinks. He was the fat dude that traded his radio for the prostitute in Carwash. Okay. I, know. I barely you're, remember you're, Carwash. You're more familiar with the song? Yes, yeah, but I remember, the, the, movie. Sh- I remember but, the movie, but it's just, it's like it, okay. I was a kid when it, like, I barely, yeah, like... Yeah, if you ever watch it again, the right. fat cat okay. in there... But he took me under his arm because he needed a ride to so many of these gigs, and I had my mom's car, so he took me to jazz clubs and shit to do stand up. Right. <coughs> Excuse me, and that's where you had a like, more genteel audience, right? Where a woman would go, "Go on with your bad self." So you didn't need and someone with a gun to protect you in these spots, not in the jazz right. clubs, right? Great. No. no, but to stay out all night long disco, yes, it probably needed. It's probably best to pack. Yes. My first gig, my first paid gig, though, the woman that hired me uh, packed her pistol to go do it. Um, I was looking at, is in Chicago, and I, I went I went through the yellow pages looking for agents. And right? you found one? They said, hey, I'm a, hi, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I wonder if you know if you need any comedians. And I've been, and I go to this club, and I go to, the, and they said, well, yes, we, we, we happen to need some, uh, uh, I need an MC uh, next week uh, for the Lions Club in Harvey, known Harvard, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And it pays seventy five dollars to MC, and I thought that was all the money in the world. I wasn't working. Sure, when you're not working, everything is all the money in the world. I was right? I was living in the room I had as a teenager. I was about twenty then, so I was living in a room that I had as a child, as a thirteen year old, in my mom's apartment in Chicago. Oh, and uh, but the thing was, um, she booked strippers. Ooh. So what it was was so I'd go out. I do 15 minutes time, 10 minutes time, and at this moose lodge, and then uh, the stripper come out and show the coochie. Nice. Then I come back. Tell a and joke. While I'm, doing, <laughs> while I'm doing, while I'm doing another 10, 12 minutes, uh, she's up there selling Polaroids of herself, and anybody that want to meet her to meet her to meet her later. Oh, okay. All right. She had, uh, she had a VIP get together in between me, and then I bring her back on again. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the woman that booked me, her name is Joy Doyle, and she had the sweetest voice over the phone. Uh, you're probably too young to remember uh, Granny Goodwitch from the. Uh, Sugar Bear, uh, uh, a Sugar Bear commercial. Barely, uh, it sounds barely familiar yeah, to me. Yeah, but, but she she had the sweetest, dearest, most grandmother-like voice over the phone. Oh, okay. Okay, honey. Well, we're looking forward. Then you drive out to my house, and here's my address. I get there, and uh, harsh. What's harsh? This face. This, oh, her. This, the agent, the booker. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. She looked like one of them old madams. Okay. She's in a, the, in the, she kind of is a madam, isn't she? Sort of, yes. kind of, in a way. In but, a she, sense. but she looked like the old mad. Are you ready for Steve McQueen to need a room to, to wash his face in before he goes back to gamble some more money? Right. And she's the one that, she'll go, 
that room over there, Steve, you know, right. just that kind of hard makeup, big peroxide blonde hair done up in a beehive. Oh, really? oh okay, classic. <laughs> classic. Well, this 19, this right. 19... Constant with a cigarette hanging out with, like, the ash probably, like, halfway smoke, long this or smoked, whatever. Didn't smoke, but this is about 78, 79. Yeah. You know, so then... Um, she goes, well, we're showgirls. That's how she called herself, showgirls. Her, That's a nice way to put it. And uh, her and the girl she had with her, whose name was Irish. I love it, okay. Irish. You want to take yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, hold on. Yeah, just finish ahead. the story. Then I'll call her, then I'll call her back. Okay. So let's, because you were about to tell me why people will not utter Arsenio's Hall, Arsenio Hall's oh. name in Chicago. Okay. Because I'm very surprised by this. He comes across as someone who's very obviously popular, and that... You can still acknowledge that that talk show was extremely important for black culture. It was revolutionary. Okay, thank you. As long as... as okay, because sometimes people can't differentiate someone's accomplishments from their dickheadedness. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, okay, okay, I'll tell you what happened. So, back in the day, this is about, what, 1979, 1980, the biggest gig a comic could get in Chicago was either the Playboy Club... Okay. Or the Blue Max. The Blue Max was a, a lounge gig at the top of the O'Hare Hilton um, out by the airport. Okay. And like Nancy Wilson, uh, Ike and Tina would perform. The biggest name acts would be there. Oh, okay. So if you got to open there, you were the you You're were the set. Shit. Yeah, you were good to go. So anyway, Nancy Wilson, who passed away a couple of years ago, the jazz singer. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Arsenio got to open for it, so I pull up to a comedy club that night called the Comedy uh, the Comedy Cottage, and all the comics are all sour faced, you know, and they're passing a newspaper around, and I say, "Why? Hey, what's up? What's up?" And they say, "Hand me the paper." Right. And here are the and, and two or three different newspapers: Chicago Daily News, Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Tribune. Okay. Great reviews for this young comic opening up for Nancy Wilson. Great reviews. They quoted some of the jokes he used. Oh, okay. You see Mike Tamburino leaning against his uh, his Mercedes Benz, mad as a book, because you see Tamburino's joke in the newspaper. Right. The other newspaper quoted another boy who's sitting there mad as hell because right. his good joke is quoted in the newspaper. Oh, uh, that's like that's car- that's the cardinal sin of comedy. And then a third guy is ma- so I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, and I'm mad, I'm mad. You're mad for none your of friends. my shit was oh, yeah. no, I'm mad because none of my shit was worth stealing. <laughs> so Nancy Wilson then decided to get him an agent and took him to uh, New York to open for her at Carnegie Hall, and Arsenio was gone. <laughs> so he got there by stealing other people's material, basically. Well, he got his he got it he got out of Chicago by doing it. Hmm. Wow, that's not good. You know? That's not good. Yeah. I, 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 there's there's been some public uh, transgressors, and the one that I always think of is the I think was his name was Cena, Mike Cena, or something like that. Like uh, Joe Rogan actually had to call him out on stage about Mike it. Messina. Mike Messina. Mike yeah. Messina. That's it. Which is too bad because I hadn't heard of Messina being from Canada until I saw him one time when I was working in Rochester at a uh-huh. club and we had a condo to stay at, and I got to see uh, the the uh, 
whatever the com- the comedy channel or whatever it is in right. in uh, the states is. And I thought he was brilliant. I loved his act. Until you and found then out. a month later, I hear that it's all stolen or a lot mm-hmm. of it was stolen. Right. And I went, well, he sure looked funny as hell the first couple of times I've seen him. Yeah. So that's terrible. That's a horrible thing. What do you, What do you guys do in those situations as comedians? When like, do you try to blackball a comedian, or do you at least try to confront them or call them up and say, "Hey, man, you're what are you doing? You're stealing people's material. Like, what are you doing?" In the '80s, we punched each other out. Oh, oh, okay. That very okay. diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, there's my joke. You stole. No, you didn't. Pop. You know. Um, but you, you, it, it happens. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, uh, you can try to police it, but the club owners don't care. It's stolen. They don't care. As long as they're selling drinks and tickets, they don't care whose material's getting the stolen. The people sitting there laughing don't know it's stolen. They can't know. How would they know? Or if they go, hey, that's so-and-so's joke. Well, right. then that's a real, that's a real uh, comedy connoisseur. Right, yeah. They would they'd probably be going to so many shows just to be able to remember even the material of, from one guy to another guy. Like, nobody does that. Everyone goes to yeah. one show for one particular time or one off, or they have a particularly favorite comedian that they'll always go to their show and all that stuff. But um, Robin well, Williams had a reputation of being a thief. and uh, a liar, really? Well, really? Sure, because he, cause he said so many fast things. He hears something, he sticks it in his mind, and then he uses it when he needs it. Oh, I thought so he was anyway, like an improv genius, that guy. He is. Okay. And he improvised somebody else's shit geniusly. <laughs> oh, you're, but a you're, friend of mine, Steve You are Pearl, shattering all my heroes in one conversation, Kenny, because... Santa's real. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, okay so I'm so good. I'm okay then. A friend Thank of you. mine named Steve Pearl, a uh, 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 wicked comic, another improv genius kind of boy. Yeah. Uh, Robin had picked up a couple of his lines. So Pearl either punched them or shoved them. Punched Robin Williams. Yeah. And then uh, next night, Robin's manager came down to the uh, comedy's, uh, comedy store in L.A. and said, don't ever put your hands on Robin again. Right. And then handed him a check for whatever he thought the joke was worth. And uh, about three, four years before Robin died, uh, they made up friends again. He was just because Robin's oh. birthday a couple of days ago. Oh. So Pearl was just showing pictures of him and Robin, uh, you know, uh, post shoving and being ripped off a uh, uh, period of time. Still happens to this day, I imagine, guys stealing each other's yeah. material, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, but there's, so what are the rules for today? Like, you're not punching people in their faces. Like, what are, what are comedians doing? Sometimes some people still punch. Some people still punch. The old school guys. The guys, uh, the guys of your generation. Old school or cock-strong young men or whatever, yeah, but okay. sometimes people still punch. Okay. But, I mean, like you said, uh, Joe Rogan, can't really punch Joe Rogan because he's that mixed martial arts. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah, he'll kill you. He'll but, kill you. Uh, you know, but he called out... Miss, uh, uh, John Messina or, or Mike Messina. Mike. For, for stealing. Yeah, publicly, and, uh, right on stage. Far, right on stage, yeah. too. The video's still there. It's and like one of the legendary the, YouTube yeah. videos. And uh, that's as far as it went. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so for here in Canada, of course, we already know, we were talking about this a little earlier, how we say like we like to look down on a pedestal at the States, like we're so much better than them, which we're not. And we have racism here quite a bit. If you're black in Canada, you know. But it's a, it's a veil that can be pulled over the eyes of white people that don't have to experience racism in the first place. But or the, they don't want to know about it. Or they don't want to know either. Or you get the choice of knowing or not knowing, which we don't, obviously. But the point being for the comedy scene now, this is where I want to get to. Particularly for Montreal and, and going out there. I'm sure you've gone out. Because Quebec is just like, to me, it's, the, it's one of the most... It's the, it's, 
a racist part of Canada more so than the rest of the country. Like, you got Alberta and you got Quebec. You know, to me, like, those are the two, you know, spectrums of racism. You got the... I've been a nigger everywhere, man. I've been called nigger everywhere, man. <laughs> but, of course, you probably get it three times a day in Quebec and three times a day in Alberta, though. At least you get it once a day in all the other cities, but... Well, in Alberta... I found Quebec, not dealing with the police, but I found Quebec, or at least Montreal, to be like the coolest place in the country. Really? Yeah? Really? Yeah. You're, you're... You know, but then, yeah. Yeah? But then, like, my friend Freddie James, who's been a legend in, in Montreal since he was five, mm-hmm. you know, he was like the, his, the, the Freddie James family, like the Jacksons of Montreal. Okay. His mama was a singer, and he, you know, he was 14 with hit records and what have you, and then jazz and gospel and acted and yeah. does stand up. So Freddie's had his, you know, had drawdowns with the police and what have you. So I won't say, you know, they 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 do they do have a history of it, and politically there is a history of it. Right. But uh, dealing with people just on an everyday uh, basis, I've never uh, never had it like that. Like so, uh, it, it's, I've never been affected by it in, in Montreal. When you transfer though, or whatever transition from coming from Chicago to coming to Toronto, did you not have experiences just for yourself? Because it was still pretty early. Like there's still racism here. Obviously you've made it to the point now where I don't think you would experience it because you're, you're who you are now. No one's going to do mean nothing. Really? Kenny, really? Hey, I always like, I also grew up in Winnipeg. So I knew, oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, so when I, so when I started teaching the young comics and they're going on the road, I tell them things like, don't go near the pool table. In these small towns, stay Why? away from the pool tables. Why stay away Why? from the pool tables? Because that's where all the badasses in small towns hang at. If you want to get some dope, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, uh, usually some biker type uh, uh, individuals hang around the pool tables. Okay. You know, and I said, so you're, you know, the other, uh, the other Caucasian comics on the show with you may go to the pool table and try to shoot pool. I said, but you keep your own ass away from the pool table because that's where all the badasses are going to be. Right. Okay. Wow. You know, it, it's like, you know, they tell you don't go in, uh, you know, don't go swimming in the ocean uh, early in the morning or late at night because that's when the sharks come out the feet. Sure. Well, the pool table is where the sharks, uh, the sharks are playing. Is local, is local badasses mm-hmm. tend to gather in a lot of these clubs. Oh, okay. Did you learn that the hard way or would you do someone school you to that and you were just passing the knowledge? I to learned other guys? it through observation. Oh, through observation. Okay. I seen other people get their ass kicked. Oh, sure. They knew it was time. You know, ain't a back door in this country I don't know about. Oh, that's crazy. So what was it like doing comedy in Winnipeg? Uh, there was no comedy when I started, so I was basically creating or trying to create a scene with myself and nobody else. And, and what kind uh, of obstacles were you running into being black? I imagine that was one obstacle just in and of itself in terms of approaching people and saying, I want to do whatever, a comedy night at your venue or something. Not really. No? Okay. I didn't, I didn't okay. really get it. I'm not giving them that. enough credit then, I guess. Maybe I'm being too hard on uh, Winnipeg. Sorry, Winnipeg. It- um, but then again, you know, I was uh, I was a blue comic. I worked dirty. I uh, I, I used profanity. So whereas other comics didn't, um, I was you know straight out of that Richard Pryor Academy. Oh sure, then you yeah. were really cussing up a storm then those days. I you imagine. know, I got I got my doctorate in uh, I got my uh, doctorate in Red Fox, and it's, then went on to the, it's it's Dick so, Gregory. It's so strange it to think to of how other. controversial it was for that day, those times with Red Fox and with Richard Pryor. I think Richard Pryor lost a gig in Las Vegas because he was cursing too much, or he, maybe he was saying nigger on well, the stage. Well, niggers, or... you weren't supposed to be cursing anyway, and he was basically doing his version of Bill Cosby's act. And, 
And then he had a nervous breakdown. Said, "This is not who I am. This right. is not what I'm about. Right. And I don't want to make these people." And he uh, he cussed out the audience and walked off. Same way how he just refused to show up. He was booked to do the Ed Sullivan show, and he stayed home and played with his new video camera instead of going and doing his show. Wow. You'll never work in this town again, you son of a bitch. That's what they told him. Yeah. No. Well, they said that in Price said, "Well, I don't want to work Las Vegas, motherfucker. You know, right. I want right. to work. I want to work Oakland. I want to work Berkeley. I want to work." But at the, those days, though, like Las Vegas was considered the end-all, be-all for a comedian to get out there and make it, was it not, at that time? For opening acts and for the old-school uh, type. Prior, prior and Carlin, they, Carlin got fired out of Vegas for his type of material and his act, I'm not too, surprised. You know? Yeah, I love George so Carlin. So they were, they were renegades. They were culture culture. Culture. Uh, culture they were going against the shecky greens right and uh, the more and uh and the don rickles mm-hmm. and all the others that were the Vegas hope type guys or whatever too yeah, yeah they were underground the you know hope and all those cats they weren't getting high and they yeah. weren't doing dope and they weren't talking about nom they weren't talking about real shit you know, real yeah. shit basically that's what it is take my wife please yeah all you that... know any young men mother-in-law Ugh, jokes boring boring well, it was if they did what was funny for their time. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> I like the real shit, and that's what I think. That's why people gravitated towards Richard Pryor, especially when he made that decision to be himself. And that's yeah. when he really took off in terms of his career, from what I understand of how it played out for him. Because it made the difference between him being uh, Richard Pryor and just another guy trying yeah. to be Cosby. And can we can we apply this to everybody else too? Like, wouldn't this be the advice that you would give to any young comic? It's nice to have your heroes and to want to emulate them and maybe you know kind of pick up on some of their styles or their bits. But you still have to find your own voice, your own style. You got to find your own voice. My advice to every young comic is: uh, I got three things. Go for it. I tell them. Uh, Try to stay clean from the dirtiest man that ever did comedy in this country. Because I know how they're going to deny you income. In November, from the middle of November, you can't work the clubs because people at companies, companies, are starting to book their Christmas staff parties. Hmm. When I started out in comedy, I didn't think, I hope I get to work all the Christmas parties one day. That wasn't my dream. That wasn't my goal. Wasn't it? Wasn't it, Kenny? Really? No? know there were corporate gigs back then right there weren't sure. yeah you know and then somebody said hey let's have a comedian they fucking figuring figuring in your mother fucking thinking bigger figuring thinking hole uh no that's not for a corporate right. so then you had to come up with you know clean material co- does that like your cats ever read the label before you feed it to them would they really like to eat this stuff they knew it was in this can <laughs> you know so that wasn't going to be i was fucking figuring figuring my business figuring so that didn't last long for you then the corporate gigs Hey, you know, very few times I got offered, but because uh, number two, read, 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 and then when you get finished reading, read you some more. Read what? I everything. I got that from Dick Gregory and to some extent Red Fox. Oh. They were always saying every day if you read that uh, Dick Gregory read every newspaper um, in town, so he knew what was happening locally. He knew what was happening, and so that way you have topical. Right. I'm the best topical comic in the country. Mm-hmm. And you is know? that because you read? That you you attribute and, that and don't to... nobody nobody hits those topics. Nobody hits the news harder than me when it happened. When it was when it was Rob Ford. Right. When it was nine eleven. When it was OJ. You were on top of it. Because it was either that or just be Dirty Kenny. 
So by me, like me doing political and racial material, mm -hmm. that's what got me just for laughs. And that's oh. the kind of stuff that made CBC stop and listen to me right. and gave me uh, gave me my own specials, which also led to me having TV shows where I opened the door sure. for, you know, for the for my race. Yeah, thank so you. because I was political and topical. Right. But um, how, so we're... I talked about violence against women before, you know, I was talking about racism. I was talking. I was doing all that. When did you show. when did you so... come to the decision to, start, to go in that direction with your comedy? Was it inspired? I always because... loved it. OK. Always loved and you it, took but De I got De Gregory's uh, advice to heart, obviously, because you started to read everything in terms of news. Were you reading the same, doing the same thing, reading every single newspaper, like all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, many girlfriends come and gone would come to my house and go, "What are all these newspaper clippings?" I say, "Leave them alone." Don't touch me like that. Leave them alone. <laughs> so now everything's on. Now you got to try and save everything on Facebook. It's not the same as cutting out that article and having a stack of it and have it in your pocket and you pull it out two months later. And you have to, like when I do comedy workshops, I make everybody bring five newspaper articles and then I throw it in a hat. Mm hmm. And I make people pull out articles they didn't bring, and I give them ten minutes to write something about. Them. Oh, that's challenging. That's pretty good. How how do they it, do? They sink or swim usually. Some sink, some swim. Okay, some sink, some swim. And that is that the ones that, is, is that a good way to differentiate the guys that you think will make it? It's how I differentiate it. Now they may go and show me they don't have to know anything that's going on in the news. I'm just going to be stupid. I'm going to be silly. I've got voices. I'm going to be loud. Mm. They've all got whatever their tools are. But if they're taking my class, my workshop, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, especially anybody that's trying to do the Nubian show, okay. you know, I'm all about raising the level of our games. Right. Right. That's that's the way you it know? should be, right? You're supposed to be trying to improve and challenge yourself and grow and, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone and all that stuff. And that's no different for a comedian, I imagine. So that goes to my third thing. Right. You will never live long enough to run out of material. Write, 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 write. In fact, the writing I'm starting to come back now is shit that happened to me 40, 50 years ago. You've been reminiscing a lot more with all the shit that's been going on in the world, right? Okay, perfect example. Chicago White Sox, uh, I've always been a Chicago Cubs fan. Why? Cubs were on the north side, Chicago White Sox on the south side. I lived on the south side. Yeah, but they didn't but win because... a pennant for almost 110 years. Why matter. be a fan? didn't matter. Chicago Cubs, every game was broadcast on WGN. So when I came home from school at 3.30, the game was on. Okay. The Chicago Cubs was basically my after-school program. You got that indoctrinated into being a Cubs brainwashed. fan. You got indoctrinated yeah. straight goods into being a Cubs and, fan. Sorry, yeah, sorry for yeah. you. At least they but, won well, the series. The, they won the World Series. You must have been elated when they won the World Series. It, 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 uh, it was anticlimactic for me. Because all many of my boyhood heroes had died and didn't get to see the, <laughs> didn't get to see the win. Oh, you felt my bad for your brother, fallen soldiers, eh? <laughs> my kid brother, who was a Cub fan from birth, because I made him one. He died, never got to oh, see it. Okay. My mom had dementia and didn't know what the fuck I was telling her when I put a hat on her and said, "We won, mom." So, but my my son and my daughters got to see it. But so, it didn't mean as much I, to them because they didn't understand the history of how. Well, long... they did because when when they were born. They oh. just know go Cubs go. Okay. So okay, this feels like a Leafs I, thing, but we'll never mind that. But go on. Worse, yeah. the worse than the Leafs. Worse than the Leafs. Way that. worse. Way worse. But the thing is, in the White Sox were the South Side. Yeah. But I identified, and uh, 
Cub fans tend to have more Caucasian, more yuppie, uh, more Second City type. Hmm. Uh, whereas Southside, you had two. You had your back of the yards Irish that if we see any coloreds over here after the ball game, we're going to lay a beating on them. And then you had your blacks from the south side on the other side of the tracks. So that was their team. So, like uh, blue, like the blues man, Muddy Waters, he was a big White Sox fan. Okay. So now that Muddy's dead, I'm thinking like, shit, Muddy was all about it. You sure, know? And, yeah. and then I remember during the L.A. riots, I was in Chicago. And it was the last, I think it was a Saturday before it all calmed down. Mm-hmm. And the same day, they, they just happened to have a, a tribute to the Negro Leagues that day. And they passed out... Um, replicas uh caps of the chicago american giants uh negro league team hats that day so i'm going damn look at the white Sox passing the shit out <laughs> and so the manager of the white Sox uh said that if, uh, if his team decides that they're going to kneel for the national anthem he supports whatever his players want to do as he should so I said, well, damn that's another reason to become a Sox fan so then a friend of mine, a bit of friend of mine since I was nine years old, he goes, uh, you're going to betray your Cubs? I said, no, I'm not betraying them. But I thought about all the reasons why I should be a Sox fan. Uh, at another time, I lived in another uh, neighborhood where I could see Sox Park out of my window. Okay. I used, uh, my mother used to always drop me, my brother and I off at White Sox Park on Sunday while she would cook the Sunday supper. We will the ball game. It was a buck. You saw two games for a buck, and they gave away the best shit. They gave away batting helmets, batting gloves, uh, the flip-up sunglasses. For two games for a buck? Yeah. Wow. And they didn't kick you out after the first game. You got to stay all day long, right? Oh, wow. And they gave you – and bat day was the best because uh, they had different-sized bats, Little League, uh, Louisville Slugger, uh, Little League bats. Right. And every bat had a different player's signature, and it was his model. So say you want it – like I wanted the Walt Williams bat. Okay. Never got it, but I got somebody else. But – um. What would happen? And then when the bat day was really uh, Chicago all the way, uh, most of the ushers and the people passing out the whites, uh, the bats, were uh, back of the yard uh, White Sox fans. Okay. That was back of the yard, as I explained to you earlier. Right. Okay. Yeah. A lot, yeah, of, yeah. Them bats, a lot of them bats was going home. Right. Yeah. A lot of them <laughs> bats were yeah staying in their pocket. Just they're going in the neighborhood. A lot of the bats was going to the Catholic schools in the neighborhood, so the kids all got bats from mm. the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now now the black children from the other side tracks, they also got them. But see, some of them didn't get bats, so they had a habit of snatching a bat and oh. running into the crowd. When they got the bat, they got it in the wrong way, probably the more violent way well, when they got you, the bat. Well, no, you just snatched the <laughs> rat. I would just say they get Bats beat by bats hand, in the future kind of thing. And you disappointed yeah. into the 35,000 people there. Yeah. So what I did was I took my kid brother into the bathroom and I give him slaps make him cry oh hold on there we go go continue sorry okay i gave my kid brother slaps and then i walk him up to the usher and i say sir could we please have another bat some 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 bad guy just ran up and grabbed my little brother's bat and they see this kid all teary-eyed oh here's another bat son so then i leave the bat with my friend who's got three of our bats now take my brother back into the bathroom so by the fourth bat they're bracing right <laughs> bracing to get that smack so I give him one more smack, and we, we left there with five baseball bats. Mm, wow. <coughs> Stocking up on bats. That's crazy. But um, And the White Sox, uh, back when uh, racism was a heavy issue in, yeah. in Major League Baseball, early 70s, they had a player named Dick Allen, where uh, everywhere he went, the fans called him the N-word, 
and he had a big afro, and he said, they used to call him Richie Allen. He said, my name's Dick. Richie's a little boy's name. My name is Dick. Mm -hmm. So they first started calling him Dick Allen. He could hit homers like nobody, and he had the big pork chop mustaches. And uh, he'd write dirty words uh, in with his toe of his cleat in the dirt everywhere he played. But when he came to Chicago, they showed him respect. And he led the league in home runs. And there's a famous picture of him on Sports Illustrated where he's juggling a bunch of balls while holding a cigarette in his mouth in the dugout. Mm -hmm. Now, is that bad? Is that So they had Dick Allen, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, when I stop and think about all these other reasons why I should finally after. Switch. After, Do it. Just after, switch. Not switch. Well, okay. Not Cubs are my main. Cubs is my bottom bitch. They my main. Oh, socks is my side piece. Oh, I see. And, I, and I'm starting to like my side piece. Okay. Wow. I used. To, I didn't. I never paid her no attention before. I just seen her whenever I wanted. But you know what? She cook okay. Yeah. And she don't ever get mad. Yeah. Yeah. She treats you and real she, good. And, and you know what? And she <laughs> bought me some new Jordans. And oh. I, I should really show yeah. my side piece. My side. A little more love. A little more love. A little bit more love. Just a little bit more I'm, love. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about leaving my Cubs. Yeah, I'm but, just talking about leave, showing them white yeah, socks. Don't neglect, don't neglect the socks a bit. That's all. But that's um, okay, let's just fast forward to today now with everything that's happening with Black Lives Matter and you know George Floyd's death. I think the pro, I think the whole mat the whole I think it's all been hijacked. Yeah, it has. Well, in a lot of ways, and the narrative has been twisted so much in the media as well. But I'm still just overall from what I'm seeing, and I don't have the same kind of perspective as you have. But mm -hmm. I have optimism. Like I still have hope from what I'm seeing. Like there, it's just the, for the fact that there's way more white people, brown people, Asian people that are riding with black people in this. Like compared to past numbers. Like do you do you not have any optimism in that regard? Because that's where I'm. My source no. of optimism is from. No, no, because who gets called animals? Who gets called deserving of whatever they get after they see how the neighborhood's been torched? Black people, we're catching shit for what for what uh, our Caucasian uh, allies are doing. Our no, our Caucasian allies are standing by our sides, getting tear gassed right alongside us. There are people that were hijacking no, no, the protests you, in terms of making yeah, it look bad. Yeah, you don't even bad. see us anymore. Right. I watched all these different people uh, zooming in on the nights when uh, when Minneapolis went down. Yeah. There were more white kids breaking windows and grabbing shit than black people. Yeah, there were but a lot of people that were trying... animals the next day. Right. But there who were a lot was, of people that were trying to hijack the whole movement to make it look bad by doing that shit in the first place. There were a lot of I saw videos of people trying to protect yeah. the storefronts just so the protests wouldn't get the bad name it was getting because you have knuckleheads yeah. and idiots that will take advantage of that shit and be like, oh, "I'm going to grab myself a TV." They're out there protesting. They'll just blame it on the black people anyway. So I'm just going to go down there smash a window and grab myself a brand new flat screen or something yeah. like that so that shit was definitely happening but well that's always going to happen anytime there's civil disobedience yeah people want to take advantage of it for their own self-enrichment in any way they can whether it's whatever means that because they know plus, it's just yeah plus what plus i need a tv right right <laughs> right so what do you what do you what do you see happening kenny in terms of because I feel like a lot of people are already starting to get protest fatigue. That's what I call it. Because it has barely been, it's barely been three months now as it is already. But I feel like people are... It lasted longer than most uh, uprisings do. I don't so think it's done. It's, was, not, it's not done by it any... It may not be done, but you know what? Are they are they rioting? Uh, are they burning shit where that where that woman was shot in her bed and they still haven't arrested the police yet? Unbelievable. Still Breonna Taylor that they still haven't arrested. No. But there's a whole so, other layer of that with the gentrification thing that was happening there, and they were trying to clear people out of their buildings in the first place. See, now the other night, the other night here in, Black, uh, in Toronto, Black Lives Matter Toronto, yeah. they did their protest thing and they threw paints on statues. 
Okay. On which, uh, what, like on a Johnny McDonald type statue or something like that? Johnny or? McDonald and Ryerson. Okay. Uh, cat with, and the dude with uh, uh, the cat they named Dun- Dundas, he was one of the guys that was against uh, slavery being abolished in Canada. Right. Right. He goes, I'm going to need my slaves. I have slavery would be good. It's we probably keep... the same guy that Dundas Street is named after or whatever. Or how many Dundases there are in. So many different things, yeah. right? But okay, what, what's your take so, on that, though, when it comes to these statues of Johnny McDonald or a school named after Johnny McDonald? Because I always say this. You can always dig into someone's past and find something bad. And the thing is with the founders, the, I, the co- whatever, the, found, the fathers of Confederation. Confederation. Yeah, so these guys, they did good stuff, sure, but they still did bad stuff. And when you're doing stuff on great scales the way they were, the good stuff and bad stuff will also be on a big scale. So... I don't know if you can you can separate again the good from the bad or whatever, but people. I wanna... say build more statues instead of tearing ones down. Okay. 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 Um, you know, perfect example. Like I'm not so crazy about Wolf Laurier. Right. Yeah. Laurier, before he was voted out of office, tried to pass legislation that would ban the migration of blacks into Canada. While they were giving free land to every European that came here, and by the they way, trying... he was the first okay. French Canadian prime minister. He was the first French Canadian prime minister. I'm just going back to this Quebec thing and the racism thing because I'm surprised that you're saying Montreal and Quebec is so cool because I just I never seen. No, I won't race- say Quebec's cool. Oh. I say Montreal is cool. Oh, okay, but so I was lost on the outskirts of, of Montreal and right. nobody would help me in English. Oh, okay. In fact, I pulled up to an Arby into a, a Harvey's, lost, asking for directions, to get downtown because I knew there'd be black kids working at a fast food joint. Right. You motherfuckers didn't speak English either. Mm, okay. I said, hey, how do I get down to uh, done 12 Crescent? She never did it. Ah, oh, come on. Just speak English. I know you can. But Wilfred, Wilfred Laurier is on the $5 bill, by the way, for you guys out there in case yes. you're not sure. So, yeah. I, I, so yeah. when I go to schools, I tell kids, here's a man. So every time you take that $5 bill out of your pocket, yeah. just look at that man and know that he did not want you. Yes. But you should also know that you can go to the United States and be welcome. But uh, nobody still wants uh, his ass on a $5 bill there. And now that we got the black woman on a $10 bill, the Yay. black woman is worth more. But Big the, shots, uh, Viola. My, but my laundry machine won't take her. I got one of those coin on. You got a racist laundry you machine? Put... You got a racist laundry machine? <laughs> Wasn't for that whole circuit camera, I'd have laid an ass whooping on that machine. That machine only wants a John A. McDonald. It doesn't want a Viola. Uh, what's her? Viola Davis, I think her name is. Um, or Desmond. Viola Desmond. Desmond. Yeah, Viola Desmond. Yeah, somebody said Viola Davis. If it's Viola, I wouldn't want no Viola Davis money either. Have all that snot on it from it crying all the time. Stop it. Stop well, it. she does. You ever see a scene where she ain't snot up while she act? Uh, She's beyond method. Oh, stop it. So, <laughs> you know, would you like a snotty face woman on your money? No. Mm-hmm. So it's Viola Desmond. Okay, so going back to the statues, you want to see more statues. Yeah, and then, you know, they threw paint on it, and then a surprise, they get arrested. Well, when you march with Martin Luther King, you knew you were going to get arrested. It was a good day if only you got arrested. On a bad day, you had a dog bite your ass or you had a garden hose. Right. That's one thing I love about Dick Gregory. He got his head split open marching with King. Oh, yeah. When 1960, in the, in the uh, L.A. riot, 65, he went out on the street to tell the youth, go in the house because L.A. cops just going to put you in the grave. He caught a stray bullet in the leg while trying to get the youth off the street. Oh, my gosh. So that was activism. Right. So he wasn't, you know, wasn't nobody saying, I can't believe he was kidnapped. No, 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 no. He got arrested. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Now what they're doing in Portland might be kidnapping because they don't know who in the hell's oh, grabbing them. It is definitely kidnapping. It's I can't believe I'm witnessing this in today in 2020. But besides that, well, I don't... it's not kidnapping because you see the people again, and they have all their ears. <sighs> we'll see. It's, it's dealing with law enforcement like you've never had to deal with it right. before. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out, and I hope he doesn't. Well, well he's going to start it in the other cities because Portland was like his testing ground for all that. But, yeah, but um, see, Chicago ain't Portland. Yeah, it's so gonna, those it's cops go a little think that he's going to start. And that's the they thing. They think they're going to start grabbing gangbangers. I was thinking the but, same thing, Kenny. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, first of all, you guys have showed your ass with Portland now. So all the other cities, if you think you're going to go there, and they're not going to be prepared to deal with you guys. You got another thing coming. It's going to get way more violent because people are not going to just stand up for these guys. You saw you saw the clip of them beating up a veteran, right? The guy was just standing up in front of them, and they just started wailing on him with sticks and broke his arm. And the whole nine. This was a, a Navy vet that was walking up to these costumed, whatever, camouflaged guys, mystery guys that Trump's Gestapo, basically. And um, they just. My did... kid brother was a part of uh, Reagan's Iron Youth. He was U.S. Navy intelligence. And after he's out of the Navy, he still got lumped up and thrown in jail when he was drunk and being an asshole. Mm-hmm. So a vet doesn't give you any particular. Well, no, especially you know, not for these guys, too. Like, they don't have respect for anybody other than you know whoever their orders are are you from. in the street are you causing trouble are you suspected you're, if you're a protester you're wearing... as long as you're a protester it's good enough to if you're wearing a helmet in, in black gear you're beyond protest and you're ready for confrontation so this is part of it yeah, it's crazy everybody wants to be a revolutionist and everybody wants to be a warrior but nobody's ready to live in a sewer nobody's ready to live are. off the land and only eat what you oh, cut well that not probably not that's yeah. why killer mike said don't talk about revolution unless you can grow your own food and and, and shoot an animal and gut it and cook it yourself right. until you can do those minimums because there will be no fast food right. when the revolution's on. Right. Killer Mike said that. Right. So, you know, it's a... Uh, see, uh, I've also I've joined a couple of Facebook groups uh, for black gun owners now. Oh, good. And there's black militia groups and all that. So hey. I don't comment. I just look at all the pretty guns because I don't have a gun, so I can't really I'm, say I don't anything. like guns, and I'm, I don't necessarily want a gun, but I don't begrudge oh, I somebody for getting one, especially in this day and age, just to protect your family and just the way things are going. It really has felt like they've declared a war on black people in a way that we haven't seen in quite some time. You know what I mean? So I don't want to keep you too long, and I want to wrap this up with... Just let's try to end on an optimistic note here, Kenny. Let's try to end optimistically and like it doesn't have to be one. Then you should have interviewed Terry Crews then. <laughs> he's a I'm not no, I won't say this. He's not a lost cause. We have hope he's for not, him. He's just He's not saying anything that's out of line. Yes, he is. He sure he is. He's just got a different approach to it. A different his approach angle, is different... his his approach is ass. His approach is ass. It's sweaty, nasty, stinky. No one wants to smell that ass, ass. That's what Terry Crews is on right now. So maybe he can come back, but that depth of sunken place is something I haven't seen in quite what some time. What was it for you that gave him the, the, the kiss goodbye? When he said that, um, I don't want this to turn into black lives are better or something like that. But he doesn't want to see black lives matter evolve into black lives are better or something like that. And I was like... Who the fuck is trying to say that black lives are better? We're right now we're we're literally at the base level of treatment where we're getting killed like animals in the streets. To ask for equal justice is not trying to get it's not an overstep. He's he's afraid of an overstep in terms the of The question is who are gunning down more black youth every day? You're talking about other black people? Is that what you're referring to? 
But that has nothing to do with what's happening right now, Kenny. Because That's got nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. No, it has nothing to do with it because, again, if a black kid kills another black kid on broad daylight on camera, he's going to jail. He's a criminal. Unless, no, unless rats get snitches get stitches and they keep that line of, of, of silence, which is the biggest enemy towards it's whatever, know, getting rid but of the problem. There's, there's no way a black kid kills another black kid on camera and he's not going to jail. A, a no, police officer. That's a police job. That's yeah, a police that's, job. That's for the police them to, that yeah. we're saying stop killing exactly. black people. And this is the shit that needs to change and that's what they're fighting for. And Terry Crews is just coming out here talking all out of his mouth all sorts you of things. You know what I love? I love how Black Lives Matter Toronto, they stopped the Pride Parade and they delayed it 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And all the people that were writing in the now and writing online, you know, this is not going to help your cause. This is going to make you lose support. <laughs> and I said, if you being 30 minutes late for a parade makes you lose, makes you take back your support, you weren't really down with the cause to begin mm-hmm. with. Thank you, and then they say something silly. They say something silly, like, how would you like it if Pride went to Carabana and and did a protest Try and it. made the parade half hour late? That'd be the quickest, fastest, most prompt parade in the history of Carabana. <laughs> Plus, then I started thinking how, by nature, uh, the community tends to be homophobic. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's not a good place for you boys to come and want to cause no problem. Go ahead, try I'm just telling you now. And there'd be no reason to do it, but I I wasn't up on the complete subject in terms of how, uh, you know, pride, Black Lives Matter, the way black trans and black gay people are treated, which is a whole other subsection of mistreatment within black people as it is of its own. I, I just saw a video the other day about how trans trans people just get killed way more than most of the LGBTQ community does, you know what I mean? But Why do you think that is? I don't know. I have no idea. I did. This was news for me. I'm a peaceful person. I live my life. I don't care how anybody else lives their life as long as they're not harming other people to live their life in whichever way they see fit. I hope people aren't harming themselves, but if someone chooses to harm themselves, you can't stop them from doing that. But I saw this video and the numbers and it's the statistics on the murder and crime, violent crime against trans people, and it blew me away. I just couldn't believe it. Do you know why it is? Can you tell me? Can you, can you enlighten me right now? Closest thing I've been able to read that may explain an issue or two is getting very careful with his words in his old age. I suspect a whole lot of dudes picked up a she and didn't know it was a he she oh. and then flip out. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Well, just from what I've been reading on right. you know, but that but definitely uh that I think sense, that though. but definitely I think it's 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 way beyond that on the greater scale. Right, yeah. No, I was you surprised know, by those numbers when I saw the statistics for just the amount of violent aggression towards trans people black trans people it's, in particular. it's just ignorant hatred yeah but that's that's what it boils down to for all of this stuff so let's try to end on a positive note now kenny because you keep yes i know you're not terry cruz just try to put on kenny's positive hat for two seconds here if you can what where how do you see things playing out in a good direction for how things shake out maybe for mankind well not even for mankind let's not go that grand but let's just say for at least a year or two from now, how do you see? Do you see some real change happening with the system for Canada or Toronto, Ontario, and I don't know the states is a whole other gambit in terms of where we can go with optimism. But let's just start here at home. The circle well, of influence of, that we have I here. I think at home. our whole one thing why we're so much better off in Canada is because our 
our safety nets have have prevented so many from hitting those those levels of desperation yes. that happens in the states. Yeah. Our poverty levels, not talking what happens on reservations, sure, but yeah. our our inner city poverty levels are are are, are not to the extreme. Mhm. I agree, yeah. Uh we don't have the uh segregation I remember when I was working as an extra on the Blues Brothers, and there was a guy on the set. We were sitting around hanging You're around. You were an extra on the Blues Brothers? Yeah, they treated people bad. It was funny, though, because um, uh, the guys that were dressed as Chicago cops, yeah. they were walking off set. And Chicago cops have a history of not paying for meals in oh. Chicago. Okay. So they were walking off the restaurants and ordering meals and then not paying. And then word got back. So everybody that was either a cop or a fire department guy, I was a fire captain, we all had to take off our uniform shirts, and we only got to wear them. They were given to us right before our scene. That's how they stopped that nonsense. If I watch it today, will I see you in there? Yeah, yeah, you'll see What's me. Uh, when they knock down the doors to City Hall, when the, when Jake and Elwood go to pay their uh, the taxes on the church. Right. Um, second fireman on the right-hand side climbing over the cigarette machine. And uh, I don't have an axe. But uh, the guy who chopped down the door, I'm, I'm behind him, and I almost fall climbing over the machine, over the machine in the barricade. I'm gonna watch it as soon as we come yeah. off of this thing right now. I'm putting it on to go look at it just to see this now. This is crazy. I That's was amazing. Like, I was like 20 years old. Who cares? You know. In fact, uh, in fact, I was taking acting classes at Goodman School of Theater, and a, a friend of mine that took classes. Uh, his name was. Uh, Cephas Booker. That's a brother's name, ain't it? Yeah, that's what uh, it is. <laughs> he said to me, you want to be in movies? I said, why do you think I'm taking these acting classes? He goes, no, nah, man, go down to the state of Illinois welfare office. That's where they're hiring all the extras for Blues Brothers, My Bodyguard, and a couple other films. Because wow. like when they say thank you for the cooperation of the state of Illinois, well, the way Chicago gives cooperation, uh, how about some jobs for some of our people? Right. So you get all these welfare people and their family. They come in, give pictures, and they put their name in a, in a hopper. And you know, you and you, you can you and your can you and your three children and uh, be part of a church scene on on Thursday. And you go yes, and you come down wearing your church clothes, and you know how to behave in church. And uh, you may have got paid uh, forty five, fifty five dollars in lunch for right. the day. Oh, wow, crazy! Wow. So you were on the Blues Brothers. That's amazing. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's, it one, of, it's it was, one of my favorite movies, I was, I was, absolutely. It's, it's, my first, my, it's my first memory of Aretha Franklin. Yes. In fact, I was, uh, I was on the scene that day. Uh, I, wasn't, uh, I had another part in the background where I, I wasn't seen on camera uh, when Jake and I would pull up to the Soul Food restaurant on yeah. Maxwell Street, yeah, yeah. where I spent almost every Sunday of my, of my childhood. Uh, my mom would go there, and uh, we'd look for secondhand goods or yeah. goods that were seconds. Right, right. And uh, it used to be called Jewtown. Okay. Maxwell Street used to be called Jewtown because all the vendors were Jewish. Not racist at all. Well, it's Jewtown. And then the hot dogs, they so it's called Jewtown Poles or Jewtown Hot Dogs. Why don't well, they just call it Jaime Town? Might as well just call it Jaime Town. Because people from the South got up and they was told it's called Jewtown. It's, it's, but, it's terrible. Well, no more racist than Chinatown. Mm. <laughs> right? So the, the whites, and especially the Jewish people, they called it Maxwell Street. And now okay. it's officially called Maxwell Street. That's crazy. Okay. Just, we're gonna <coughs> but wrap. this is Chicago. This is Chicago. Like it's I, a whole other like world, you. man. It's like it's, you guys have your just whole other world in Chicago. It's like, and, no, and, and no no question to it, you yeah. know? In fact, I've never I still want to give me. I still want to give you one of them Jewtown Polishes. Oh one of the Polish sausages that are the best. They got uh, fried onions on them and jalapeno peppers. I had... And usually get a. 
get a great pop with it. That's Jewtown Post. I had every you know? intention of uh, going to Chicago just to see it. I've heard so many beautiful things about the city, and then you know who became, I just sometimes refer to him as Voldemort. When he became a president, I was like, well, I'm not going to try to travel to the States anytime soon right now. But Chicago was all because of the pandemic. Well, because of the pandemic and all that, regardless. But even before the pandemic hit, once Loser Boy was president, I was like, uh, I'm not going to this. I don't want to go there. You're just boycotting all American cities. Sort of, kind of. But the thing is that I but I had every intention of seeing Chicago because I've always heard so many good things. Like It's it's, a beautiful town. That's nobody's never not. You've got to be aware of where you are. You've got to be aware of what time you're there. Like any other city. Yeah. Like any other city. But so, Kenny, just for the future of, okay, let's stick with Toronto and the future of the comedy scene. What do you, what do you hope to change or what are you going to do once we get back to I've some already sort changed of... any changes I was going to make in the, in the comedy scene. You still scene have time here. to make more changes, Kenny. Don't say that, bro. You have a lot of, you, you're not like. I've opened, up the, I've opened up the doors that didn't exist before. So I've already done that. That is, you know, that, that there's an that, opportunity that, coming now to be innovative and and make something that's new. That's for the young cats. That's not for you. You're not you're not trying to help in terms of when the pandemic. Am I trying to create a new Zoom network? No. Uh, am I trying to? Am I still trying to mentor young comics? Yeah. Okay. Am I still? Do I still have dreams of them? Uh, you know, trying to elevate them to be the 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 best possible comics out there. Right. Absolutely. So that's. But as far as this, the system, I've already, for all practical purposes, changed the landscape. You've done so much. That's why I look up to you so much. Like I'm not a you comedian. Know, I mean, that's been done. I've so been to Yuck Yuck now, so many times. Like you're you're I, so I legendary that, to me. Like you know, but, oh no, but, but now the the new the new people like there's uh there's 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 a Muslim girl now that is uh, she's getting all kinds of TV exposure. What's her name? Uh, damn, I wish I could remember my 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 stroke brain name as good as it used to be. But I mean, I'm just so proud of her, and I uh, I had her uh, listed to go on the JFL showcases, and then the the virus knocked out the showcase, right. and then somebody already had her name, and there. So I won't get I won't get the credit for discovering her like oh. I wanted. But I you know, but I told her from the first time I seen her, I said you're you got a very important voice that needs and will be heard. Right. Yeah, that's great. So. Uh, John Paul is doing all kinds of stuff now with Zoom. Nice job. Uh, and on the Jay internet. Martin too. Jay Martin. So, I mean, those guys are taking the ball and running. Yeah. You know, I've taken that ball. Walter Payton didn't get to make a touchdown the year the, the Bulls, the, the Bears won the Super Bowl. Right. He let the fridge take the ball across the line, but Sweetness didn't get a TD. Right. So, you know, so I Walter Payton that ball all the way to the goal line but, as much as I can. But all these comedians that you're mentoring and coming up, they will definitely give you your roses while you're still here and i'm sure they already well, they do are. that yeah they... i wish somebody give me some money but yeah i, I smelt the roses roses are nice but money's better <laughs> i need a tree i need me a money tree money tree okay well <laughs> kenny thank you so much man um thank you yeah, for being it... so generous with your time and for the history thank you so much for this history i've learned so much and just this one hour like i can't i didn't even know half of this stuff about you already i, I was I was watching the Flying Nun when they in, on ABC when they interrupted this program with a special news bulletin. Doctor Reverend Martin Luther King has been struck down in Memphis by an assassin's bullet. Yes, I was watching watching Sally Fields. They love me. They really love me. They really watching love watching her watching her fly with her with her habit, mm-hmm. and then they interrupted it 
It said, this is, this is what the word is. And just for you guys that don't know, it's a TV show he's talking about, and it was called The Flying Nun, and it was Sally Field's first uh, big acting gig on TV, just in case well, you no, guys she are... had Gidget and all those surfing Oh, did she? Okay, for, for her, that was yeah. my first memory of Sally Field yeah. was uh, The Flying Nun or whatever. She was already, she was already a household name much Oh, really? Okay, so did. then I'm just yeah. dating myself in terms of when I heard of her or whatever. And then, you know, of course, there was Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit that also got her a lot of exposure as well. But That was a, that was it, a dirt. That was a grown-up, dirty Sally yeah. in her dirty 30s sure. hanging out with that Burt Reynolds. That Burt Reynolds. But, um, again, You're afraid I won't let you go. Yeah, well, no, I, I am going to let you go because i got to go. And I, I'm not Joe Rogan. People don't want to listen to my podcast for more than an hour. So I always try to keep it to about an hour because I'm just growing now and building my audience. And I don't The way think... they kidnap people in Portland is the way I kidnap... Uh, uh, but, I, uh, uh, podcast, but I take it. As, I take it as a compliment. I think you're enjoying the conversation, and I appreciate I it again. So I told you. Uh, you know, I'm totally having a ball with you, and I hope we can do this again. No, we will definitely do it again because there's going to be changes, and we'll get back to some sort of normalcy, and you'll have some sort of event going on that hopefully you'll want to talk about it, and I want to talk to you about it. And I just, I know there's so much more that you could just tell me about the comedy scene and how it was for you starting out in Toronto and all that, but we will get to that. But I just want to wish you well and wish your family well. And, and I wish you and yours well. I really do, and thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. And, and wash your hands. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Yeah. Guys, and, and still have some normalcy. Get out there, get some fresh air. Don't just. I remember when a black man couldn't wear a mask in a bank or a store. Yeah, that was that was a problem. Now we have to. So there you go. So <laughs> once again, Kenny Robinson, thank you so much. Thank you. You real, take care. Real hand emoji thing to say. I do this with everybody. This is how I sign up. The real hand. This is not the okay. thing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate. Thank it. you for having me. It was a pleasure, sir. Take care.